at Ephesians 6. There are three words that stood out to me last week about what we shared. And that was rest, peace, and power. We've got to operate in rest. We've got to operate from a place of rest, a place of peace, so that we can move in the power of God and what God's called us to do. Today we're going to spend some more time in Ephesians chapter 6, a passage that's titled in my Bible, The Armor of God. And we've been looking at spiritual warfare. We spent some time reading this. And uh, I'm going to start with verse 10, if you've already turned there in your Bibles. Let's start off with a word of prayer. Can we do that? Heavenly Father, Lord, we're here about your business. We're so thankful for your grace and your goodness that you've reached into our lives, dear God, that you've shown us that you love us. You're a, a holy God who is both loving and just, dear God. Sin has to be dealt with. But instead of, of uh, holding our sinfulness against us, Lord, you made provision and you, you didn't ignore it, dear God. You paid the price in sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. And Jesus, thank you for loving us and coming and giving your life and not just staying in the grave but being resurrected and coming back in new life. And thank you, Lord, for sending your Holy Spirit to walk alongside us, to be our companion, our guide, and empower us to, do, to live the life you call us to. We pray that you'd open the word to us today. Don't, we just don't want to read ink words on, on, on paper, dear God. We want it to be a living word that speaks to our souls, that challenges us and helps us to live the life that you've called us to. So, God, here we are, your people, dear Lord. Would you speak into our hearts today? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Scripture starts off in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I'm sorry, I'm not. It's from the, the New International Version, the NIV. Finally, be strong in the Lord. We've looked at this before. And in His mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in, the mind, in, in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. I just want you to know we're getting ready to run out of Ephesians here before too long. We've been here for a while, haven't we? But uh, we're going to spend some time talking about the armor of God, and uh, um, it, we're not going to get done today. <laughs> um, this is one of the classic, if you grew up in church, if you grew up in Sunday school, no doubt you probably had a Sunday school lesson somewhere where the armor of God was displayed in front of you, and you talked about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and the sword of the Spirit, and, the red, and, the, and your having your waist girt about, and we know that 
The terminology for the armor that's used here is the, ar is the terminology that uh, would have been used in the Roman Empire. They were using words that related to the people of the day because they were so, well f so familiar with the armor that a Roman soldier was, we was wearing. So they used those implements of warfare, those implements of a soldier's uh, armor to be able to display spiritual truth. Let's back up just a little bit. We're going to start with verse 11 because I want to look at verse 11 and then I want to look at verse 13 together. So we're backing up just a little bit. But verse 11 says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I want, let's, the word that says put on, I want to look at that for just a little bit. We find in, in verse 13 we go down and it says, Therefore... This sounds repetitive. Why would you be repetitive? Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. So Paul, with one verse in between that's focusing on areas of warfare or areas that we're contesting with, he starts out with put on the armor, and then he comes back, he says, put on the armor again. Let me just, I want to define this put on. Because I know that we are taught that we need to put on the armor of God daily. That's, that is perfectly good. But I want to make this statement. There is nowhere in the Bible that talks about taking off the armor. There's no place in the Bible that talks about taking off the armor. What we are reflecting on and what we're encouraging when we say put on the armor of God daily is that we... Every morning, every day, we are remembering the fact that we're clothed in the armor of God. The word that's used here for put on is, and, and not to bore you with the Greek, but it is in the aorist tense, which is a past action that has an ongoing effect, okay? So it's something that happened in the past. If I were to say to you, I was saved, it wasn't just a one-day thing. It's got an ongoing effect, right? And the word that's used here for putting on literally is to take up or to clothe yourself with the armor of God. It is an action that you're doing that has an ongoing effect. It's an ongoing effect. Matter of fact, the same word for putting on is the word that's used just a few verses earlier. And I'm going to run around here to, uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. So we might hear some flipping of pages. We might hear some tapping of keyboards. But Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, not, maybe not tapping of keyboards, but people are on their telephone. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Paul's writing about the old, old man versus the new man, the person we used to be versus the person that we are in Christ. Last week we spent some, some time on this when we talked about rest and peace, that we as the body of Christ have got to stop looking ourselves as though we're on the outside of Christ because we are in him. Even if we've just begun the journey, we're not separated from God. We're not distanced from God. If we've got a relationship with God, we're continuing to grow in that relationship. But we're on his team. Have you ever seen some of those, maybe you haven't, but Shogun movies or The Last Warrior or some of those movies that talk about Japanese warfare where they got the staging? Okay, I'm losing some people, but some of you have seen these movies. One thing that really stands out about that, even more so than the Roman warfare, is that they were real big about the standard. You could tell whose team they were on because they had these 
colossal-looking flagpole things that they're running around out in the field with that are displaying which part of the army this is. You may not even be aware of it, but I'm going to tell you that in the spirit realm, the enemy knows which side you're on. The enemy knows who you are more than you know who you are. So why don't we just step in and know which team we're pulling for? Why don't we know which side we're fighting on and just get busy? Let's, let, don't, don't allow the enemy to play the mind games with you that make you think that maybe somehow you're not accepted, that maybe you're not a part of the family of God. Why don't we just go ahead and accept who we are in the Lord and then live out of that? Paul's trying to address that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. He said, you were taught with regards to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And in verse 23, it says... To be made new in the attitude of your minds, change your way of thinking. Stop thinking the old way. To be made new in the attitudes of your minds and to put on the new self, being created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The words there in verse 24, it says, and to put on the new self is the same wording that's used to put on the armor of God. It's a change of identity. It's a change of understanding as to who you are. We put on the armor of God doesn't mean that we take it off. It doesn't mean that I've got something I've got to battle with today, so today I'm going to arm myself. No, we're putting on God's armor, and we're continuing to live in his armor. We, we are continually prepared for battle. We're con, con, prepared for what we need to face. We're getting wrapped up in it, and it is becoming a part of our identity When I was praying about this, and, and uh, this is really important, so I want you to get this, okay? We talk about someone's skeletal structure as being, there's a, an endoskeleton. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's the bones are on the inside. And then there's an exoskeleton. An exoskeleton, insects have an exoskeleton. It's really strong and powerful, right? They were even experimenting with some exo armor yeah actually armor that you wear on the outside and gives soldiers superhuman strength and ability to do things they wouldn't normally be able to do because it's so powerful like that when it comes to the armor of god i want to say this the armor of god is not just an external thing if you could have an endo exto that's what it is jumping ahead just a little bit i want to just say this um we i, I I don't want us to miss this aspect, okay? Because we look at the armor of God as being, you put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate, of, I miss that word up all the time, the breastplate of righteousness that our, our, our waist is girt about with, with uh, truth. And <laughs> I'm stumbling. But everything we talk about is an external but when I was praying about it, the Lord said, what we miss is that it's an internal transformation that's equipping us for that external. Every piece of armor that's mentioned here is really related to character and a walking out of the experience we're having with the Lord. The actual, not the, the name of the armor, but the, the characteristic of the armor is something that we're beginning to walk out and live out. It's not just we're claiming righteousness, but there's righteousness at work inside of us. You understand what I'm saying? That equips us for the job that's ahead. So let's go back to this thing. It says here, 
Verse 11, put on. So understand that it is a putting on. It's a conscious taking upon yourself just in the way that we take on the new man. We take on that new identity. A putting on the armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. If I were to say the word for scheme in the Greek, you would think of the word method, okay? It's very close to the word, our word for method. So what we have to be alert to, we have to be alert and we have to be prepared to do war against the methods or the schemes that the enemy is bringing against us or bringing against our family or things that we find in our society that we need to stand against. The Lord's given us what we need. It's God's armor. He provided it for us so that we can take our stand. Now I want us to jump down to, to 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you will be able to stand. Let's back up because we've just gone through put on the armor of God. And it does say in both places, it says put on the full armor of God or put on the whole armor of God. When I went in and I was studying this, the word there that's, that's translated full or whole literally means the complete, which I like that. It means what God's provided for us is everything that we need. You know, we could look at a, and we may visit this a few times, but we look at a, a soldier who goes into boot camp. You know, they're trained in warfare. When they get out there in the field, hopefully what they will find is that they didn't miss out on their, their, their MREs. You know, they, they, had, they got food to sustain them. They didn't miss out on the weapon they're supposed to carry to be able to do war for the enemy, that they've got their helmet in place, they've got everything that they need, that they're fully equipped for the task at hand. Ideally, <laughs> that should be the case. And when it comes to what we need, the whole armor of God or the full armor of God, the word that's there in the Greek, it's not too much different from what's already translated, but it really means the word complete. That the armor of God's complete. God's provided what we need to do warfare. So if we're facing something that is warfare, we should be able to have confidence. Everybody's got a first time. This will make you excited. Did you know when a brain surgeon does surgery, he has a first time? <laughs> but you know, they don't give them the opportunity to do what they're doing unless they're confident that they've already learned enough to be in that place. See, what Mike shared dovetailing in right here this morning is, that what you're facing today may seem overwhelming to you. It may seem like more than enough. It's because it may be your first time. But God wouldn't allow you to be in that place unless he was confident the deposits that he has been working in you. Some of those things are probably things that you went through and you're like, oh my goodness, Lord, why am I going through this? And God's answer to you would probably be, it's because I intend for you to be able to get through this. God never allows something to come into our life to destroy us. His intent is to equip us, even when we're going through a hard time, so that we can come out the other end of it victorious and successful. And what we gain out of even the most difficult experiences of our life, if we have the right attitude towards it, is that we find 
that our experience becomes a tool in the arsenal of God that he can draw from. And it equips us for the next phase and what God has. Um, God's got bigger and better things that he's leading us to. So the armor of God, God equips with, it is complete. It is more than enough to face what you need to face. And, and let me just say this because this is important too. God doesn't expect you to be a lone ranger. Look, you don't know what it meant to me to have everybody pray with me today. Um, I felt the Spirit of the Lord churning inside of me. There's this anticipation, expectation about what God wants to do up in the frozen north. It's not quite frozen yet, but it's going to be a lot colder up there. But they're hungry for God. And it's a pressure. They're hungry for God, and they're looking at you. Looking at me. You know, and... God's, I felt the presence of the Lord equipping me, and God's been equipping me, and then I come to a place, and I'm like, but Lord, right now, I feel like I've got an empty head. But my heart's open, you know, and I know that when we step into that place, that God will be very present, and whatever is needed for that moment, God will have equipped us with. And so I'm looking with anticipation to be able to come back and tell you stories about what did, what, what God did. So, uh, Thank you for joining with me in prayer. I feel like I'm an extension of what God's doing here as I go. So they said, look, we don't want you to just come and speak. We want to create a relationship where maybe people from where you are can come up here and fellowship and be a part of what's going on and be a blessing. So the door, Lord, Lord may open doors for that. I may just be going a little bit of a tangent. So let's come back to Ephesians chapter 6, 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you will be able to stand. What evil day? I know our, so quickly, we want to go to eschatology and look, eschatology means the, the end times or the, the last day or something like that. I don't believe that's what this is talking about here. The evil day may be any day. The evil day may be whatever it is that you need to face. But whether it is a final day, whether it is a current day, whatever your battle is, however your battle is manifesting, I want to tell you that the armor of God is sufficient. What God has provided for us is sufficient to match the challenges of that day. We've got to walk and live in that armor. Let's move on from there. The day of the Lord. I'm sorry, the day, the, the day of evil comes. That you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. There's an obvious repetition here. He's trying to get something across to us. This is really interesting. Um, the word that's used here for stand your ground is the word histamine. Where we get histamine. What is, a, what is an antihistamine? It's a type of med, right? It's an allergic reaction. So our body produces something that fights against um, some foreign substance coming into our body. It releases histamines, which is something that takes a stand against. Sometimes our bodies can overreact to that, and we'll take an antihistamine, which is really trying to keep our body from overreacting. But the word histamine means to take a stand against something. Um. I think that the enemy, let me just, the enemy is okay with us resisting 
as long as we have corralled ourselves and put ourselves behind some kind of bar and we're hiding ourselves away, all I want to do is just stay safe. As long as I'm back here and I'm all by myself and I'm not bothered, I'm okay with that. And I, I will take a stand here. But the word for histamine here does talk about creating a, a space. What you're doing is resisting and pushing back what is trying to come in. But when it says, when you've done everything, let me get back over here. <clears throat> so that you, one, be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. There's a repetition of the word stand, which is reflecting to the battle that's going on. It's one thing to stand against and to maintain territory. It's another thing to advance and stand your ground and repel the enemy. The word that's used here also talks about repelling an, an enemy force. For us, the challenge is what level of enemy occupation is, is tolerable to us? What level of enemy occupation is tolerable to, tolerable to us? What's dangerous is becoming familiar with the enemy being in your territory. And what's your territory? Let's expand that. Is it okay for the enemy to have territory within my own personal life? Am I familiar, so familiar with certain habits or attitudes or experiences that, or, or things that I might be involved with that it's okay, I'm... I, I love Jesus, I love God, I want to live for God, but I have this little pet thing that I keep over on the side that, you know, it's kind of my secret thing. And uh, I'm allowing the enemy to have a foothold right there. That's not okay. That's not okay. The Bible says that we should take a stand, that we should not just, it's not just a defensive posture, but is expanding, it is to take a stand against and to repel the enemy. What about in our household? This is a little bit more challenging because your scope is, is developing. What about a family member that's ensnared in, type, in some type of sin? We need to extend the boundaries of our spiritual warfare and pray over them and do what we can to help draw them in, to create an environment, an atmosphere around them where they can be free enough to be able to make the right decisions. Now, we cannot force people you cannot change somebody that does not want to be changed. But we can provide an atmosphere that gives them the opportunity to change. And this, this whole thing for the body of Christ, look, God has sent us, God said all authority, Jesus said all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. In God's mind, it is not okay that people around the world or around the corner are ensnared by the enemy. He wants us to go fully equipped in the armor of God and to demolish the strongholds of the enemy, to be a histomy, to resist, overcome, and to push out the works of the enemy. Our, our weaponry is not designed just for a defensive posture. It's not designed, John and I were talking about it, it's not designed to turn our backs on the enemy. Our, it's designed to face him head on and to move forward 
taking the territory that he's been occupying. Are you okay with that? Look, I, I just want to tell you, there are certain aspects of... Uh, um, there are different scopes of warfare, different... Uh, um, I may have to stick with the word scopes, but... What God is calling us to do, what God is calling us to face may vary uh, at, at times. There are, are big things that the Lord puts in my heart to do. And sometimes I would rather turn away and say, Lord, I'd rather let somebody else take care of that. <clears throat> but Ralph was busy that day. No, just my, no but really, folks, there, there are things that we face and we need somebody. I was reminded of something, and this may seem a little bit trivial, but you know, I might need Jerry. Jerry, the Lord may put me on your heart someday, and you're like, why in the world am I even thinking about, I'm calling you Jerry again, Rome, uh, may put me on your heart, and it may be because I'm facing something, and I need a prayer, or I need a phone call, or something. I remember one day, I just it's come to mind twice today, and then again, so I won't mention it, but we were moving stuff out of these rooms over here one time. We had a whole group of men out here, and they were moving things. I don't know if we were if it was because we're putting new carpet down or if we were painting. It was some kind of work day we were doing. And we had a whole bunch of people moving things out of here. And uh, we had, you know what a, uh, a letterbox uh, where you store paper in it? And we used it back then for communication between different ministry leaders and things like that. Everybody had a box, and if there was something we needed to communicate, we'd stick it in the box. Now we text. Um, <laughs> but, but we had the letterbox thing, and... Uh, there's still one of these things in the sound booth back there that we're, we're not currently using, but we had a metal one. And uh, it was sheet metal. And in, a, in a, a failed attempt to be a He-Man strong guy or something like that, I picked up that metal thing by myself, grabbing it by, I think I grabbed it by the sides like this and was grabbing it by the one side and came walking out of the room. And as I did, the the spot weld is that what it's called those spot welds that attach that sheet metal together came loose and the weight of the bottom of that thing swung out that way and when it did it slid across my hand right there sheet metal often has a sharp edge to it because it hasn't been sanded down or painted or something like that but anyhow it sliced my hand open and in man brain i squeezed my my hand together like that and I, my immediate thought i am not going to the doctor for this I'm not going to the doctor. I'm going to give it a band-aid on it. So I went to the kitchen back there, and I stuck my hand under the water. And when I did, it just opened up. And I looked, and I thought, I'm going to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, I was quick. And I squeezed my hand back together, and people were busy. And then all of a sudden, I got, like, a little lightheaded, and I'm standing there. And John Satara was there. And John says, come on, we're going to the hospital. And he loaded me up in the car and took me to the hospital. Look, my whole intent to be strong as I felt like I needed to be for the moment I needed someone to come alongside and help me and John happened to be there John helped meet my need took me down to the emergency room seven stitches later uh, and a little bit of bandage I was not back working on that but I did get to supervise um, but every once in a while we just need someone to come along to help sometimes the battle you got to have somebody else to stand beside you. You know, David fought his Goliath, but after he took down the strong man, he called for the army. 
there was more work to be done. He needed somebody else alongside. Let me just tell you, look, believers, we've got God's word. We have our relationship with the Lord. But what we also need in the body of Christ is an understanding of the community of faith that God's put alongside us. Do you have someone to call? Who's on speed dial? <laughs> Who's on speed dial besides the pastor? No, <laughs> no there may, the pastor may be the one. But do you have someone you can get to to talk about the word? Something that's exciting, something that you're struggling with? I'm dealing with things in my life. Who do you have to call? The, it is true that, that in some ways, what we've become focused on is, I'm going I'm to call the pastor. But look, I, I'm just going to tell you, there's sometimes I'm not going to pick up the telephone because I need to be with my family. And there's sometimes I'm not going to pick up the telephone because God's called me into a conference, and I'm going to stay in the conference. And then there's sometimes where I may be busy about doing something and God's going to put you on my mind and I'm going to make a phone call to you and find out what's going on. But what God's doing, God's provided us a family so that we can walk together, so that we can be a community together, and so that we can strengthen one another when we have need. I didn't know I was going to go there today, but I want to encourage you. Our society has become so individualistic and and fragmented but we need community. There's a lot of energy spent in the body of Christ, a lot of time spent in the, in the Word of God speaking about the body of Christ. Yes? Stay with me. There's a lot of time and effort put into the, the Word of God that talks about the body of Christ because we need one another. Some of you are so different from me. And that's intentional. God put us together in this unusual and peculiar body that's designed to function together. We've got to figure it out. I can't dance like Fred Astaire and you, know, you take a body and you, it takes some time to learn how to get the steps right. And when we're working with one another, sometimes it takes the time to get the steps right, to move in sync with one another. But the more we get to know one another, the more we'll learn how to depend on one another and the specific gifts that God has put in each one of our lives. Look, we will not be a successful ministry for the Lord. Get this. We will not be a successful ministry for the Lord until you are developing in the gifts and a ministry and the anointing that God has called you to. This is not about the person standing up at the front. This is about the body of Christ learning to function and flow in the gifts and abilities that God has given us. I get so excited to think about that for you. That God's got unique things. It is the same Holy Spirit that's working in you that's working in me. It's the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Get back on track, David. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, 13. So that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground, histamine, resisting but pushing back the enemy. And then after you have done everything to resist and push back, resist and push back then. You get it? Keep on moving. Keep on doing. Keep on resisting. Keep on pushing. Don't quit. Don't get to a place where you're content with what you've accomplished in the Lord. Don't get soft. 
Keep pressing, keep pushing, keep moving, keep backing the enemy up. It says, stand firm then with the belt of, belt of truth. Buckle around your waist. We're not going to get very far today, are we? With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Okay, let's, let's take just a minute. We're, we're, we're right here at the armor of God now. I thought we'd be a little bit further along. Surprise, surprise. But I want you to understand that while this is described as the armor of God and in every piece we see provision from God and we see things related to the character and nature of God as well, that that which may become attached or a portion to us on the external, God's intention is it becomes our internal nature and character. It's not just something that we wear, but it's something that we are. If you were preparing to go into battle and they sent you to boot camp, you've got a specific task, a specific place to fill, they're going to take you through training to be able to do your job knowingly that there's going to be some things that you only come become adept to, you only become fluid in once you get out on the field. But you're going to go through some preparation time. Do you know what they don't do? They don't hand you a, a saw, machine gun, to get out there and get in the field and say, okay, by the way, there's a battle going on. Get out there and go do it. They take you out on the field. They teach you how to clean and maintain that weapon. They teach you, put you out on a range and give you the opportunity to fire. They provide you with ammunition up front to be able to exercise yourself in that thing and to learn how to, I'm doing like this, but that's not how it is like this. <coughs> and if you Rambo, you might do it with one hand. But, um, but they prepare you and equip you for what you're going to be doing. Their intent is that you're familiar enough with what it is you're work, working with that when you get into a crisis situation, the, um, the muscle memory and you're so fluid in what you do that you will just do the things that you've been trained to do without even having to physically think about it. You can do it with your eyes folded, I mean eyes folded, with your <laughs> eyes blindfolded, with your eyes closed in the middle of the dark that you can Put it, take it apart, put it back together. You know that weapon. You know these things. These things that are provided for us as weapons here, God doesn't expect us to just make a statement and say that I'm equipped with it and then I'm going to go out and face my day. No, there's things here that are part of the nature and character of the believer that God intends to be a part of who we are. It starts out with our waist being girded about with truth. Do we know the truth of God? Do we know the truth of God? Okay, that's pretty broad, okay? But if someone were to ask us, do we have an answer? If someone to, were to question us about something, do we have an answer for them? Let me just make this statement. Believers, we need to be reading God's Word. We need to be familiar with his word. Everybody, let me say this again, everybody, if you're going to live a life for Jesus, if you're going to live your life for God, get to know what he has said to you, about you, what he's been doing, what his character and nature is that he's revealed in his word. Read his word. Read your Bible. I would en encourage you to read the Old Testament and the New Testament. I want you to concentrate on the things that Jesus did and what Jesus 
spoke about, the red letters that we find in there, but read the Bible so that you will know the character and nature of God. We've got to have our waist girt about with truth. So you've got to know what truth is. We are so bombarded in our world with all kinds of, so many different kinds of things that actually are so familiar because we've got it through the school system, we've got it from television, we've got it from conversations. We, through the years, we've heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it, so it just seems to be so. People that we trusted have said this. But is it contrary to God's Word? Where is our ultimate authority coming from? It needs to be from God's Word. We've got to know His Word. Otherwise, we're vulnerable starting out. The first piece of armor mentioned spoke about truth. And that's truth with regards to what's being communicated to us, truth with regards to what we believe. But remember, we're not just talking about an exoskeleton. It needs to be not just an exo-armor. We're talking about an endo-armor as well. So I want to challenge you in the area of character. It's not just about what you know, but it's about what you're living. Are you living truth? Can, can by the testimony of what you've said for people, by the testimony of your actions, can people who are familiar with you and live around you, do they know that the way you live, the way you speak, the way you act, that it is truthful? Do you have the character to go along with the armor? Or do we have a belief that we have signed up for, that we have said that we agree with, but yet it has not influenced or impacted the way we're living in front of Are we false out there and true here? Are we saying that we're true in our mind, that we're truthful, that we stand for good, we stand for right, that we know that we shouldn't be lying, that we shouldn't be deceitful, that we shouldn't be misleading people, but in the way we live our lives, the way we act, we give ourselves a slide and it's okay out there? Let me just tell you, that armor is not in place. The first piece of armor says that you have your waist, your core, girt about with truth. If you've got truth in place, what a foundation you have. The next piece of armor here talks about having a a breastplate of righteousness in place. Do we have time? The breastplate of righteousness. You know, we've seen these Roman movies where they have this breastplate and it's dramatically, it's there to design to to, uh, protect the core of our being. The interesting thing, um, and I'm not trying to make a really huge distinction about this, but in some of the cultures back there, you know, we think of the brain as being the center of who we are. But really, in, in some of the ancient cultures, they saw the heart, what they called the heart. They saw that as the core of the being, that that was some of the most important things. Now, you can't live without your brain. You can't live without a functioning heart either, okay? But let's just talk about this. One of the core areas that's protected is... The breastplate is in place, and it says the breastplate of righteousness. 
Now, part of this goes back to what we talked about last week. We talked about rest. We talked at peace and how then we're able to, to, we can function in the power of God because we got confidence in those things. But when we're talking about righteousness, there's twofold to that. There's an external provision of righteousness. How is that? Because the righteous one died in our place. Jesus Christ gave his life. I want to emphasize this. Salvation is not free. It was paid for. It's not just a flippant, haphazard thing. uh, Do y'all remember Jeff Findholt, who came here and spoke years and years ago? I remember him talking about something. He he spoke about Jeff Findholt played uh, uh, he. Jesus Christ Superstar, he was one of the main characters in there. He played the role of Jesus in Jesus Christ Superstar years ago. He also was with Black Sabbath at one time, interestingly enough. But uh, he came and spoke years later, and he talked about going to see um, Charles Manson in prison and how that freaked Chuck out. Um, And he also talked about how he met uh, Salvador Dali, if you know who the the painter Salvador Dali was, and how how he befriended their family. And how Salvador Dali gave Fabergé eggs to his kids. You know what a a Fabergé egg is? Just a fantastic work of art. Very intricate. uh, Filigree covered, gold covered with with art. You can go look it up. Google it. Not now. Later. But he gave to the kids Fabergé. Salvador Dali gave Fabergé eggs. I mean a treasure to a child. Immediately I'm, I'm thinking, you know, be careful with that. You know, let's... Let's put that somewhere. Let's protect that thing. This precious thing was given to children. Do they understand the value of it? Probably not, but it's pretty. Can I play with it? It looks pretty. But folks, what was given to us is of much greater value in the righteousness that was provided for us in Jesus Christ. We had no way of paying the penalty for the sinfulness that was our responsibility and the sinfulness was passed down to us but jesus christ made provision he gave his life so that we could be free from the debt of sin and so that we could receive we're told we receive his righteousness god's not looking at us and saying yeah i've got a laundry list of things that i remember you did But if we're in Christ, then he looks at us and he sees how Christ intervened and how he paid the price for our sinfulness. It's covered. It's not that we're walking out the door without having paid for lunch. It's that we're going up to the counter expecting to have a bill and they say, somebody's already taken care of that for you. They already covered it. Jesus paid the debt that we had no way of paying. His righteousness was imparted to us. I don't stand in front of you because I'm perfect. I can't stand in front of you and say, look, I'm so righteous, I'm so squeaky clean that God chose me to to serve him. I can't tell you that. But what I can tell you is this. Jesus paid the price for my sin debt. When God sees me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. But if we have that breastplate of righteousness in place because Jesus provided it for us, And somehow there's not a corresponding transformation on the inside of us that causes us to begin to move towards righteousness in how we conduct ourselves and how we live our lives. If we are continuing to have pet 
sins that don't reflect righteousness and that over time is not being challenged and changed. It's easy for us to look at somebody else and see things that need to change about their life. Sometimes we're more willing to point fingers at somebody than we are willing to change ourselves. And there may be things that the Holy Spirit is prioritizing to change somebody's life that might not be the priority that we would put in. in. I think that if you examine somebody and you see their life is changing, even so that there's other areas that might seem out of balance, but you can see the transformation happening, I think we need to give the Holy Spirit time to continue working on them. Amen? Let's walk alongside, encourage, and support. But give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to work in their lives. So if we have the breastplate of righteousness in place, there should also be a corresponding transformation into the nature of righteousness that can be, be recognized in the person's life. And we should be recognizing it about ourselves. Beware of pet areas that we're keeping secret and trying to hide from the Lord and trying to hide from other people. If we're having to hide it, it just points out to us and to those around us that we recognize that there's something wrong. We're just avoiding it. So we're not going to go any further today because let's pray about where we are. Pray about what we have. There's, there's a lot more in here, and I just don't, don't want to get into the next thing. But we've talked about the belt of truth today. We've talked about the breastplate of righteousness. And the one thing that was really sticking to me is that it is, it, it is for a, a soldier going into war. Yes, there's armament. There are provisions that are set in place to help that person be effective. But the boot camp and the ongoing training that comes along with it are equipping them to be able to use effectively the weapons of war that are put in their hand. For the believer, yes, the, the armor of God is provided for us, but there is a corresponding transformation of character that should be going on the inside that reflects the nature of God that he's wanting to demonstrate on the outside. So don't just claim the armor of God without walking in the transformation. The great word to us says that we have been granted that we might be partakers of the divine nature. Isn't that amazing? Look around the room. You've got people that are being transformed into the nature of God. God's transforming us. He's giving us His nature. Come on, let's stand. Some of y'all are hungry. Some folks are ready to go grab an afternoon nap or something like that. We've talked about prayer and commitment and giving ourselves to God today. Can we just give ourselves to God in this area? God needs to get some things done in the earth, and he needs some people that are eager to get out there and do battle on his behalf. Let's go take a stand. Resist, push back the forces of the enemy. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I for one, I want to give myself to your cause and to what you want to accomplish. It is not okay for my family members to be stuck not knowing you, needing healing, needing deliverance, needing to be set free. It is not okay for their lives to waste away into eternity without knowing you. God, it's not okay for there to be areas of our city, dear God, that are so ensnared in, in uh, sinfulness and corruption, dear God, that, that you can't freely walk there. It's not okay, dear God, for there to be injustice in place. It's not okay 
Lord, help us to take a stand against the evil day and to win the battle. So raise up an army, dear God. Raise up an army within us. Help us to have the heart of a warrior and do battle against the works of the enemy. And help us, dear God, to be joined together with an army, not just from this company, dear God, but from all over the city, dear Lord, where you've got people who have like mind, dear God, and like heart and want to see your kingdom advanced. God, we'll give you glory for that. But Lord, I pray also, dear God, that if there are people that don't know you, that want to know you, God, that they would have an open door to come into relationship with you, dear God, because that's what you're all about. You left 99 sheep in the sheepfold to go after the one. Because you know the 99 were secure already, dear God, but you left after a busy day of walking around the hillside, dear God. You went out during the evening to go find that one that was lost. And God, I pray that there wouldn't be one that was lost without you. So God, today, if there's anybody here that doesn't really have a relationship with you, dear Lord, would you open that door of opportunity and open their heart, God, so that they could know you. And it's a privilege, dear Lord, to walk with you and to know you. Lord, we'll give you all praise and all glory. There's a day when we'll stand before your throne and we'll join together with multitude upon multitude and with the angels, dear God, and with the heavenly host, and we'll celebrate holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You're worthy of glory and honor and power. God, we com com commit ourselves to your purposes this day, and we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen.